Let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew 26. Matthew 26, we're uh, looking at uh, this, this journey that Jesus, uh, that Jesus uh, took while he was here on earth, a uh, journey through this life, and uh, as he's making his way to the cross. And we've had a lot of stops along the way and looked at uh, many different aspects of the ministry uh, of Christ here on earth. And we've talked about uh, the, t- the way that he taught his disciples about kingdom living. Uh, he, said, he, he taught about the kingdom of heaven and he taught about the kingdom of God. And if we remember, the kingdom of God is, is that it's, uh, uh, it includes everybody that is saved, everybody that, uh, that is uh, yielded to God and all of that. The kingdom of heaven is the work of Jesus Christ here on earth during this, during this time in which we live, and it'll be culminated in the thousand-year uh, kingdom that he sets up and establishes when he returns at the end of the tribulation period uh, that is, of course, yet to come. And, uh, and we're, we're excited about, about those events taking place. Uh, Jesus said, even, he said, he said, I come quickly, and John said, even so come, Lord Jesus. And we, we echo that. We're excited about the coming of Christ, the the Bible calls that in the book of Titus our blessed hope and we're we're looking forward to Jesus Christ coming and taking the church out of here and us being with him forever. We'll spend those seven years with him in heaven and then return to earth for him to set up that thousand year millennial reign. And uh, But during this time during this time right now, from the time that Christ uh, began and, and established the church during his earthly ministry until the time uh, when he catches us out of here, uh, we are to be living according to the teachings of his word, this kingdom living. And, uh, and it's basically the way that, that he's wanting us to live to reflect his goodness and his grace. And uh, so, uh, as we as we read through the book of Matthew, this is the only place in the Bible, and the only the only one of the Gospels that, that speaks of the kingdom of heaven, because Matthew is presenting Jesus as the King of the Jews. He's presenting Jesus as the King, and uh, so the King uh, ruling in His kingdom, and uh, so he, he's he's showing us these things. And today. Today, Jesus, uh, as we look in the passage, we see Jesus is talking to his disciples and he takes some time to just enjoy being with his, his disciples. Just take some time to spend with his disciples. You know, as, as, we, as we spent time this past week uh, with friends and family, it was a special time. I remember growing up. Every year we'd gather with uh, we'd gather with my my uncle and aunt and and uh, cousins and many times extended family. You know, second and third cousins and and uh, you know fourth cousins once removed. Or I don't even know how those rules work or whatever. But there was a bunch of people there, and some of them I didn't know. And uh, and it was great to spend those times with them. And every year. You know how it is. Every year you get together and you have such a good time. And when it's all over, you're going to say goodbye. You say, you know, we don't need to wait till next year to do this. We need to get together because you have such a good time. And, and I, I love that about, about those times when we gather with family. You know, I love times when we gather with the church. We gather with our church family and spend times like this. You know, some of the best times we have together uh, is, is before, before church when we're setting it, things up or after church when we tear things down and then we, go out, we might go out to eat or whatever, just sit around and talk and fellowship. Uh, sometimes during the week we'll get together, a growth group uh, midweek, you know, we'll, we'll spend some time together just fellowshipping. Other times we just, you know, just, hey, 
what's up? You know, you want to you go grab something to eat or you want to do this or that and just get together with God's people and spend time together. I love it. It's wonderful. And, and it's needful. We need to spend time with each other. Uh, people are important. Sometimes we get so wrapped up in the projects of our life. Uh, do, you, do you live by a list, a list of things to do? It's, it's helpful many times to have a list of things to do, uh, things that help you to remember the things that you've got to get accomplished, but never, never let those things be more important than a person. Because people are more important than projects. People, uh, the, the souls of men, women, boys, and girls will last for eternity. Those things, those projects, they're going to they're pass away. And we need to take the opportunities God gives us to invest in people, to spend with people, to impart our life to them and and to let them impart theirs to us, to share these times together. And the the Bible teaches us that, that we should first and foremost love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But then Jesus said the second commandment, the second greatest commandment is, is like the first, and it's love your neighbor as yourself. We need to love God, and we need to grow together as a church family. And, and then as we grow together, uh, we need to serve others, reaching out and investing in the lives of others. And I see in the passage here in Matthew 26, we see Jesus doing just that, spending time with his disciples uh, in this, this time that, uh, that has been called communion. Uh, often, we, often as we talk about, uh, about communion, it's referred to as the Lord's table or it's referred to as the Lord's supper. And uh, this, this passage of Scripture is when Jesus instituted this ordinance that he gave to the church. This ordinance, it's, it's something for the church to, to manage, for the church to, uh, to, uh, to practice. It's, it's something he, he gave us as a, as a means of remembering what he did for us. Now, the word communion means the sharing or exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings, especially when the exchange is on a mental or spiritual level. You know, we, we just, sometimes we'll get together and, and we just talk, and, and you just really connect with somebody. A husband and wife need to spend some time communing with one another. Some, hey, you need, uh, guys, you need to remember uh, that just because you, you put a ring on her finger and, and you both said, I do, that doesn't mean the dating has to stop. You need to take her on dates from time to time. And, and you need to spend time together. You need to talk to each other. And, and it's more than just, than just, is dinner ready? Amen? You need to, you need to talk and, 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 and find out what's going on in her heart and mind. And, and you need to, you need to you know, share your thoughts with her and, and just connect. To, to share those things um, and exchange the intimate thoughts and feelings. And, many, and, and it's important for us as believers to share the spiritual things with one another. You know, some of the best conversations that Mackenzie and I have is when she's, when she's telling me the things that I need to preach on Sundays. And, and uh, you missed that. I'm sorry. Um, you know, the be- some of the best uh, times that we have talking is when we're talking about things of God's Word. When we're sharing things that we've read in Scripture or, or things that we've learned, things that God is teaching us, things that we're going through at that time or, or things that we see God doing in the church or in the world around us and we're, t- we're talking about those spiritual things. And it's, it's helpful and it's encouraging and it's strengthening. 
And you need to, you need to do that from time to time. Hey, and, and most importantly, spend time communing with Jesus Christ. Talk to Him. The Bible says in Matthew 26, Now the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying unto Him, Where wilt thou that we should prepare? Uh, that, where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? Now the Passover was a feast that, uh, that God uh, commanded Israel to, to have year after year, to observe year after year, to remember when they were delivered out of Egypt. In, in Exodus chapter 12, uh, the Bible says, And this, uh, this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and you shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. There's an ordinance that God gave to Israel. And in that feast, they would, they would, they would look and find a lamb of the, of the first year. And it had to be a, a spotless lamb, flawless, couldn't have a scar on it or anything. And uh, it, couldn't, it couldn't, be, uh, couldn't be lame or, or, uh, or blind or anything like that. It had to be a perfect lamb. And uh, they would they'd take this lamb and they'd set it aside for a little while and, and on, the, on the given day, on the, the set day, they would kill that lamb uh, and uh, they'd take it to the temple. They would kill the lamb. The blood would be offered on the altar there and they would, they would take the, the lamb and they would roast it and they would, they would eat that lamb uh, on this, on this, uh, during this feast time. And they would eat it with, uh, with bitter herbs, the Bible talks about, and many other things as they, uh, and unleavened bread and they would celebrate this time of Passover. Remembering when, uh, when Israel was in bondage in Egypt and God had sent Moses to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, no, I'm not going to. And so God sent plague after plague after plague. And after every plague, Pharaoh would say, I'm sorry, please ask God to, to stop all of this. And, and, uh, and so God would, and then Pharaoh would say, no, I'm not going to let them go. Then finally God said, said, Moses, here's what I want you to do. And he gave him the instructions for this Passover. And he said, he said, when you kill that lamb, he said, I want you to take some hyssop and he said, dip it in the, dip it in the blood of that lamb uh, in a base that, you've, that you have in a basin. He said, I want you to, uh, to basically paint the blood on the, on the post of your door. Uh, painted around your door, and he said, he said, because tonight I'm going to send the uh, send an angel through the land of Egypt, and every place where he comes to that there is not blood on the door, he said, the firstborn in that family will die. He said, but when I come through the land of Goshen, where the people of Israel are, he said, and I see the blood, he said, I'll pass over you. And, and he passed through that night and the, and the cry of, of Egypt went up uh, greatly because, uh, because so many of the firstborn in Egypt were dead. And people were weeping over their, over their lost, uh, lost children, their, their dead children. And, and, and God, uh, God did a mighty work that night. And, and Pharaoh, said, Pharaoh said, uh, sent word and said, tell Moses, tell Israel to get out of here. That's enough. I've had enough. My son is dead. I can't handle anymore. Tell him to get out. And so God delivered Israel with a, with a, a strong hand, the Bible says. And, and brought them out of Egypt and, and, and took them, as he promised, through the wilderness and took them into the land of promise. And, and he told them, he said, he said, I want you to remember what I've done for you. 
And, and so the disciples asked Jesus at, at year after year as, they would, as they'd celebrate this. They knew that Jesus was, gonna, was going to follow that, that ordinance and he was going to celebrate the Passover. So they asked him, where, where do you want us to celebrate? Where do you want us to prepare for this Passover? And Matthew 26 verse 18, and he said, Go into a city to such a man and say to him, The master saith, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at thy house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had appointed them and made ready the Passover. Now when the even was come, he sat down with the twelve. So Jesus came in with his disciples and he began to spend some time with them. He began to talk to them and to, to, uh, to uh, just uh, enjoy this time together. The Bible doesn't tell us everything they talked about. But, uh, but they just took some time to just spend together. I don't know if maybe while they were, while they were uh, doing this, that maybe Jesus, uh, maybe Jesus went back and, and talked about, uh, about Israel in, in Egypt. That was a, a typical practice on those, uh, during those feast days that they would talk about the, the deliverance of, of Israel from Egypt and, and they would talk about all that God had done for Israel, how He brought them out of the land of Egypt, out of bondage and into, uh, into the land of promise. They talked about how God uh, gave great victory and gave Israel uh, the land that God had promised to them. Uh, but uh, as they spent this time together, they... they we, we, see, we see that Jesus took time uh, to connect with them. Jesus took time to connect with, with his disciples. To spend this time, he sat down with them and began to eat and began to talk with them. And it's important for us to take time to connect with one another. I, I said earlier, husbands and wives, it's important for you to connect and spend time talking. Parents, one of the most important things that you can do is take time with your, with your kids. Just take time and more than, don't, don't just always put them in front of a video game or a television screen and say, do this because I've got some things I've got to do. Take some time with them. One of the things that Mackenzie and I have tried to do more, uh, more lately, more over the past uh, several years especially, is to take some time, some special time with the boys. Every once in a while, uh, we'll, we'll take, you know, one of us will take one of them, we'll just, we'll just go out to eat. Just, just then we'll sit there and we'll talk. And listen to the things that's on their hearts and minds. Uh, or, or sometimes we'll just, uh, like last night, uh, Levi and I went up to the store, went to the U-Haul storage uh, to, to get all the stuff for, to set up for today. And, and we just talked a little bit. You know, I mean, we didn't get into any in-depth conversation necessarily, but we talked. And it was good. We had a great time. And sometimes Noah and I will talk, and sometimes uh, the boys and Mackenzie will, and, and it's, it's wonderful. We just, hey, you need to take time to connect. That's one of the things that the Bible has, has taught us as a church that we're to do. Jesus said, go, uh, said, uh, go ye therefore and teach all nations. We're, to, we're supposed to make disciples of all nations. But how can we reach a world that we never touch? Now, we're, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. We don't have to partake of their, of their sin. We don't have to get in, involved in their sinful activities. But we do need to reach out and we do need to connect with them. Sometimes in our churches, we're so, we're so isolated because we feel so spiritual that, we're, that we don't even get close to the people that are in the world. But God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. 
Jesus came here to become a man. Uh, so he could, he could walk amongst men and he could connect with men and women and boys and girls. And, and so he could, he could speak to, the, uh, to the, the, the woman who was caught in the very act of adultery. And he'd say, woman, where are those thine accusers? And she said, I have none, Lord. And he said, well, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. He took time to talk to people. I'm glad that he went, uh, he went as he's ministering and he, he, went among the, he went among the sick people and he would touch them and heal them. And, and I love the time, uh, the, the account in Scripture when he came and he walked over to that leper. And leprosy was a horrible disease, very contagious in those days. And, and it, would, it would kill the, nerve, uh, the nerves in, the, in, in the, the different parts of the body. And, and sometimes the, the parts of the body would just uh, kind of rot off or gangrene would set in different d- diseases and, and and difficulties there and, and they would lose parts of their body and eventually it would, it would kill them. And so because of its uh, contagiousness, they would have to, they'd have to uh, live outside the city, outside away from people. And when they came through, they'd have to walk on the other side of the street and have to cover their mouth and cry, unclean, unclean. And so it's, it's very likely that these lepers that we read about in Scripture, that it had been many years since they'd had some personal human contact. But you know what Jesus did? He went up to them and He touched them. He wasn't afraid to touch them. Because, because his touch, his touch brought healing. His touch had power. And he reached out and he touched them. He showed them, I care about you. I love you. And he touched them and healed them. I love that. I love that our Savior took time to connect with people. Sometimes we're just so busy that we don't spend time with people. You know, if you're too busy to connect with people, you're too busy. You're just, you're just simply too busy. We need to connect with one another. Uh, the, Bible, the Bible says, as, as they did eat, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. Sometimes, sometimes we don't want to talk about the difficult things. We just, when we get around people, we just want to talk about the, you know, uh, the rainbows and, and roses and, and, and uh, uh, the wonderful things. But you know, sometimes we need to talk about the difficult things. Moms and dads... Sometimes you need to have the hard conversations with the kids. And I'm not talking about hard conversations in harshness. I'm talking about the hard conversations. It's difficult to talk about. Like, I'm sorry, when I, I'm sorry that I had that bad attitude. I'm sorry that I said those words. I'm sorry for this. I, hey, that's hard, isn't it? It's difficult. Sometimes we need to have the hard conversations like, hey, you know, if you don't, if you don't get on your schoolwork and bring up your grades, you're going to need to cut back on your hours at your work. You're going to need to not hang out with your friends. You're going to need to... Uh, you're going to need to not have your video games. You're going to need to not have your devices or whatever it is. We need, we, need to, we need to set the boundaries and we need to keep the boundaries. Sometimes we need to have those hard conversations. Sometimes we need to, we need to sit down and talk to people and, and say, you know, the Bible, teaches, the Bible teaches that these things are sin. Society might accept it, but the Bible says, the Bible says that, that killing is murder. When you kill the unborn, that's murder. When, you, uh, when, we, when we kill... Uh, when we, uh, 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 when we kill the, the elderly, euthanasia, hey, that's murder. 
And, and, so, and so we need to help, help our society, the people in our day and time, understand these things. Hey, people are becoming more and more accepting of sinful things. But we need to let them understand what the Bible says. And, and, and the Bible tells us that we've got to teach it. Parents, we've got to teach it diligently unto our children and to our children's children. We've got to teach them the things that God's Word says. Hey, if we don't teach our children about God, we can mark it down. The world certainly is not going to. So we need to take it as our our responsibility to teach them the things of God. We need to teach them the good things. We need to teach them that uh, what the Bible says is wrong and the things that we need to stay away from. The Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So you you can't have a heart for the things of the world. You can't be drawn uh, to the worldly uh, practices and the, the parties and the drugs and alcohol and the immorality and, and all of that. Hey, you can't be drawn to the selfishness and the pridefulness and the lying and the deceit and, 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 and walking all over people just to exalt yourself. Those things are not biblical. Those things are sinful. The Bible says even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. The word minister means serve. Philippians chapter 2, I believe it is, says, He made Himself of no reputation and took upon Him the form of a servant. Jesus, the Creator, God of all that is, He became a servant. So who are we to expect to be served? Those are some of the conversations we need to have with our, with our young people. Now, we, we, need to, we need to encourage them and say, Hey, mom and dad know you're awesome and you're great. Your friends, everybody around you knows how wonderful you are, but you don't need to think you are. Well, that might hurt their self-esteem. Hey, their self-esteem is doing just fine. Don't don't listen to Doctor Spock and all these all these people that you know say they know all this stuff and deny God. Let's just stick with what God says in His Word, right? Let's just stay stay with what the Bible says. The Bible says not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think soberly. That means serious-minded, just, hey, uh, with some, some gravity, just stay grounded hey, and, 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 and serious-minded. Don't be foolish and all of that. Hey, it's okay to have fun, but don't be foolish. We need to have some of these conversations, and Jesus was certainly not afraid of having the hard conversations. He's sitting there at the, at the, uh, the feast with his, with his disciples, and he said, he said uh, Verily I say unto you, one of you is going to betray me. He's been telling them that he's coming to Jerusalem. He's in Jerusalem. He said when he comes to Jerusalem, he's going to be betrayed into the hands of sinners and he's going to be killed. He's going to be crucified. So he's here in Jerusalem and he says he's going to be betrayed. Now he says, one of you are, the one, or, one of you are going to betray me. And they were exceeding sorrowful and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? You know, I, when, when I read that, it... It helps my estimation and my, my respect for these disciples to increase. Because if it was 12 of us today and Jesus, Jesus were to tell us, one of you is going to betray me, we'd be sitting there saying, yeah, I know who it is. It's not me. It's... We begin pointing the finger. Lord, that's him, isn't it? That's her. 
They're, they're the ones going to do it, right? I know, I know that one, you know. And we'll begin pointing the finger. But these guys said, Lord, is, is, is it I? Am, am I the one that's going to betray you? And he answered and said, He that dippeth his, fit, his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. The Son of Man goeth as it is written of him, but woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been better for him, it had been good for that man if he had not been born. What a what a, a amazing and terrible thing to say about somebody, right? It'd been better for that man if he had not been born. But you know, it could be said about, about people in this day and time that if you go through your life and you do not accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, it would have been better for you if you had not been born. Because the Bible says if you go through this life and you die without Christ, that you'll go to a place of torment, a place of suffering, a place the Bible calls hell. And in that, and in that place, is, it's a horrible place. And it would have been better if you'd never been born to begin with. Jesus said of this man, It'd been better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? He said unto him, Thou hast said. As we, as we speak to people, as we connect with people, it's important for us to be honest with them. Now, it's, important, it's also important to be tactful with your honesty, you know. Guys, when your wife says, Does this dress make me look fat, you know? Get a phone call or something, you know, whatever. Uh, you, <laughs> you don't always have to say everything, right? But it is important for us to be honest with people. It's important for us, to, for us to show them things that are going on in their life that's not right. It's important for us to encourage one another. The Bible says, iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. See, only a friend is going to be helpful to, to sharpen you in your, in your Christian walk. Only a friend is going to strengthen you. And sometimes that strengthening, sometimes that help is going to come by means of, of your friend having to say something that's unpleasant, that we don't like to hear. The Bible says in Proverbs, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Sometimes a friend is going to say something to you that's going to hurt but it's going to be helpful for you. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Watch out for those people that all they ever have to say to you is, oh, everything's wonderful in your life. You're just perfect. You're just great. You know, Be careful about that. We need to, we need to edify one another. We need to, we need to encourage one another. And, and here's the thing. God has given you a church family. God has given you a pastor and, 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 and to, to, to love you and to lead you. And, and, and as God has brought these relationships into your life, it's important for us to open ourselves up to these relationships so that they can be effective in helping us be a better Christian. And, and, and sometimes they might even need to say something that hurts, but it's helpful. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Iron sharpeneth iron. You know how iron sharpens iron? Sometimes it's like a hammer. Sometimes it's like a file. Neither one of them are necessarily pleasant. Sometimes people will take knives and sharpen them by beating them against each other. Now that doesn't mean that as a Christian we're supposed to go beat each other up. But it does mean that sometimes we need to say things that are hard to say and hard to hear. That might even hurt a little bit, but in the end it's helpful. 
Remember a week or so ago, a couple of weeks ago, I told you about, uh, talked about a dentist. You go to a dentist and he might give you some injections and he might use the drill and it might be painful, but he's not harming you. It might hurt, but he's not harming you. He's doing actually what's good for you. What was harmful was the enjoyable candy that you had or the cake or whatever it was that, put, that caused the decay to begin with. That's what was hurtful and harmful. The dentist is actually helping. So sometimes, sometimes as brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to help. It hurts, but we need to help. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another. We can say the hard things, but we can say them in a nice way. We can say the hard and difficult things in a, in a way that, uh, that you know, makes it as nice as possible. I'm glad that the dentist doesn't just dive in with the drill. I'm glad that it might pinch a little bit, hurt a little bit, but I'm glad for those injections, right? I'm glad that kind of numbs it up a little bit. First, be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. The Bible says in the book of John, Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give a sop when I've, when I've dipped it. And when he dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, That, that thou doest, do quickly. Now no man at the table knew for what intent he spake this unto him. For some of them thought, because Judas had the bag that Jesus had said unto him, buy those things that we have need of against the feast, or that he should give something for, uh, to the poor. He then, having received the sop, went immediately out, and it was night. When, when we're spending time talking to people, and especially when we're talking to, to somebody about spiritual things, or, or especially when the Word of God is, is, is being preached, or we're reading the Word of God, and God is speaking to us, we need to perk up our ears, and we need to listen. We need to pay attention. You can't, you can't necessarily listen uh, if, if you're not paying attention. And sometimes we're so busy talking and talking and talking that we're not really listening. We're too busy about our lives that we're not really listening. Sometimes we just need to sit and be still and be silent. Uh, so we're listening and hearing what God is saying to us when we're connecting with God through the pages of His Word, when we're connecting with God through the preaching of His Word. We need to be listening and paying attention. I, I remember many times when I was growing up, I, I, I was blessed to grow up in church, and, and as, I, as I would come to church, I, I would think about it many times. After the service, that, that afternoon, I'd be sitting there thinking, what did the preacher say today? And that was sad. That, that just a, an hour or so after the service, I couldn't remember what was said. And it's not because I had a bad memory. Because my memory was pretty sharp in those days. You know, now, I, it's, I mean, I, I forget what color socks I put on sometimes, you know. And, and, and I, it's, it's, it's very short, my memory. But it's bad whenever we're not listening to, to what God has to say. We read in the scriptures that Jesus told his disciples over and over, I'm going to be crucified, but the third day I'm going to rise again. We read later after he was crucified that the disciples forgot about it. They forgot that he said he was going to rise again. So many times Jesus says things and they just missed it. And, so, and how many times does Jesus say things in his word and we just miss it? We're just oblivious to it. 
We hear the preaching of, of the Word of God and we're just oblivious. We just miss it because we're thinking about what we've got planned for dinner or what we're doing afterwards or things that we have going on this week or, or oh no, did I turn the iron off or, or did, I, uh, did I set the crock pot to, to, uh, to low or whatever it is. Or, or we begin to think about you know, things, that, uh, things that we've got going on in life and we miss what God is saying to us from His Word. It's important for us to connect. It's important for us to listen. And as we're, as we're connecting with one another, as we're connecting with God, it's important for us to listen to Him. Notice Jesus had told them that one of them was going to betray Him. And they said, who is it? And Jesus said, the one that I dip, uh, dip uh, the sop and give it to Him. That's the one that's going to betray me. And so later He dips the sop and He hands it to Judas. And then He says something to Judas. And they think, oh, He told Judas to go give something to the poor. No. He just handed him the sop. Identifying Judas as the one that's going to betray him. But they missed it. Because they're oblivious to what was going on. How many times are we like that? Talk, 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 talk. We're just so busy talking. We're so, so busy saying things. We're so busy with all the things going on in our lives. Uh, the Bible says in Matthew eleven fifteen, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. God gave us these things right here. My mom used to tell me all the time, God gave you two ears and one mouth, and there's a reason for that. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Here's another way uh, of saying that. I, somebody said years ago, listen and silent are spelled with the same letters. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? I, I, don't, I don't know how much help you can get from that, but, uh, but he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Let's, let's maybe be quiet and listen to what God has to say to us. Let's, let's listen to what he's saying from his word. The Bible says in Psalm 143, Teach me to do thy will, uh, for thou art my God. Thy spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. He's saying, Lord, I, I need to know what you have to say to me. I want you to lead me. Lord, you're my God. So would you teach me? Psalm 119, Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I have believed thy commandments. Psalm 86, 11, teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. We need, to, we need to listen when God is teaching us, when God is instructing us, when God through His Word is showing us some things. We need to listen. Hey, we've proclaimed that we're a child of God. We say that we believe Him. We say that we want to do His will. But we just need to listen as He's teaching us. God desires to teach us. God desires to, to show us these things. He desires of this. And it will happen as we spend time with Him. You know, look at takeaway number one. The story of the Bible, the story of the Bible centers around the relationship and the fellowship that God wants with you. Amen. That's the story of the Bible. See, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. You know why God created heaven and the earth? Because He knew that that on the sixth day uh, that He was going to make man and place man there on the earth. And man needed a place to live. And that place is called earth. And he knew that man would need the sun and the, and the water. And he knew he would need the food and, and all of that. So God put all those things on the earth in the days prior to putting man there. And when he created it all, he put it just perfectly in a perfect universe, created perfectly for man's existence. 
God did it all for us. He didn't have to. He didn't need to. But he did it because he wanted a relationship with us. He wanted fellowship with us. Everything that God has done, he did it for a relationship with us. The story of the Bible centers around the relationship and fellowship God wants with you. That's how much God loves you. That's that's what a a value he places on, on you. He did this for you. But relationship takes commitment. Relationship requires commitment. And so, so while it's important to connect, in order to have communion with one another, and communion with, with God even, we must commit. We need to, to commit, we need to make some commitments The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus wanted this relationship with me and you. He wanted to be able to connect with us on a personal basis. He wanted this personal relationship with us. But He knew knew that our sin had separated us and God. He knew that because of our sin that we were condemned to go to hell. And so He devised a plan for our salvation. Salvation, and he committed himself to it. He was committed to it. He endured the cross, despising the shame. He went through the difficult times so that we could have that relationship. He went through the, through the pain. He went through the suffering. He went through the, uh, the, the embarrassment. He went through the scoffing and, the, and the, the mocking. He went through all of that so that we could have a relationship with him. He was committed. He was committed to a relationship with us. The Bible says that as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to His disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And He took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is, the, this is my blood of the New Testament which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of, the fruit, of this fruit of the vine until that, that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. What's going on here is Jesus is is instituting the Lord's Supper. He's instituting the Lord's Table or Communion as we call it. This this, uh, ordinance that He's he's giving them, it has, has no saving power in the ordinance itself. Practicing and observing this ordinance does not save us. But understanding what, uh, the, what the ordinance is about, uh, the, we see that the ordinance is about Jesus Christ uh, giving His body to be broken for us, His blood to be shed for our redemption. And when we trust what Jesus did for us there on the cross at Calvary, we can be saved, we can be born again, we can be the children of God our sins forgiven, our sins washed away. He said, this is, uh, this, he, he broke the bread and He gave it to them. And, and he said, take, eat, this is my body. Now he's not saying, this is literally my flesh. He's saying, this is representative of my body. This is representing my body. And he's, he's breaking it and, and showing them, my body is broken for you. My body, and, and in just a few short hours, 
Uh, this, this, this Tuesday evening, he's, he's breaking this bread and he's about to go into the, into the, the garden and, and pray and then he'll be betrayed and, and, and in the morning he's going to be crucified and, and, he, and that, that evening, that evening he'll, he will yield up the ghost that Wednesday evening and then he'll be buried and, and three days later on that third day he'll rise again and, and be victorious over death, hell and the grave. But as he's, he's laying all this out, he said, he said, this is my body that's broken for you. I'm so grateful that Jesus gave His body to be broken for us. The Bible says in, in Isaiah 52, And as many were astonished at thee, His visage was, was so marred more than any man, for His form uh, more, uh, and His form more than the sons of men. When they, took the, when they took that whip and began to beat him uh, with that, the, the uh, straps of that whip would wrap around his body and the shards of, of, of pottery and, and bone and stone would, would uh, dig into his flesh. And, and when they'd pull that whip away, it would just, just tear shreds of his, tear his body to shreds. And, and his body's literally mutilated. He's just a raw piece of meat uh, standing there before them. And they beat him and beat him and beat him until it says here in Isaiah, his visage, his appearance. Uh, what you see of him was marred more than any man has ever been marred. He gave himself to be beaten. The Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions. In Isaiah chapter 53, in the very next chapter, he says, who, who shall believe our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of the dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. I'm so glad that Jesus took it upon Himself, took all of that upon Himself, and He paid the price for our sins. The Bible says the soul that sinneth, it shall die. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. The Bible tells us uh, that it's appointed unto man once to die, but after this the judgment. I'm glad though that because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross, whenever we die, whenever the life leaves our body, and we stand before God in judgment, I'm glad that I know, I know, I know that I will not hear Him say, depart from me. I'm glad to know that I'll hear Him say that I can come on into heaven. I hope I hear Him say, well done. But I know that I'll hear Him say, hey, come on in. Amen? I know that. How can, you, how can I know that? Because the Bible says in 1 John 5, 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. That's God's promise. Because he said, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible says, for, uh, uh, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead,
said, Thou shalt be saved. I'm, gl- I'm glad that on September 28, 1987, as a 13-year-old boy, I bowed my head and prayed and asked Jesus to save me. I received His gift of eternal life, and that day I was born again. That moment that I trusted Him, I was born again. It was not any merit of my own. It was not any work that I did. It was all because of His amazing grace. He's a wonderful, merciful Savior. If I got what I deserved, I'd be burning in hell. But because of His grace, He saved me. He set me free. He gave me new life in Christ. And He made me a child of God. And that's what He's done for you if you've trusted Him as your Lord and Savior. If you haven't trusted Him, that's what He wants to do for you. That's what He will do for you if you'll come to Him. He was committed He was committed to this relationship. He gave Himself for us to have this relationship with Him. The Bible says He set His face like a flint. There was nothing going to deter Him from going to the cross. Satan had offered Him a shortcut there there in Matthew chapter 4. He said, hey look, all the kingdoms of the earth will I give you if you'll just bow down and worship me. But that wouldn't have solved man's problem. That might have placed Jesus on a throne. But it wouldn't have solved man's problem. But Jesus said, no. It's written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. He was not going to be deterred. He was not going to be swayed. He was not, even, he, he was not really even tempted by that. Because he knew, he knew there was a reason that he came. He knew that he had to go to the cross and pay a price for our sins. Being the sinless, spotless lamb. He knew that that's the only acceptable price to be paid for our sins. Because without that, there is no remission of sin. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And only Jesus could pay that price. And neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's only in Jesus, only through Jesus, only by Jesus that we can be saved. And this is the price that Jesus paid for us. So the psalmist said, oh give thanks unto the Lord. For He is good. For His mercy endureth. Forever. This is the psalm that they would sing uh, on, on that, that Passover, uh, at the end of that Passover feast, they would sing a, sing a psalm and they'd sing several of these, these psalms. And this is one that they would regularly sing. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for His good, for His mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks unto the God of gods for His mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords for His mercy endureth forever. To whom alone doeth great wonders for His mercy endureth forever. To, uh, to Him that by wisdom made the heavens for His mercy endureth forever. This psalm says 28 times that His mercy endureth forever. I'm glad that Jesus is committed to to a relationship with us. He was good to us. He's merciful to us. He's gracious to us. And that mercy endures forever. Amen. Hey, let's look here. Takeaway number two. Commitment is driven by love. What does your life say about what and whom you love? Jesus was willing to to suffer for a relationship with us. Jesus was willing to give Himself 
for a relationship with us. Jesus was willing to leave his to leave his his place there in heaven to come here to earth to to live to live a, a very plain and difficult life here on earth because he loved us. He's willing to give his all for us. Now, his word does not tell us that we owe him. He does not want us to be motivated by guilt. He doesn't want us to be manipulated into doing anything for Him. But when we realize what He did for us and why He did it for us, we should respond to Him out of a heart of love. His Word says we love Him because He first loved us. What does your life say about what and whom you love? It's easy to tell what's most important to us by how we spend our time and our money. What does your life say about what you love? What does your life say about what's most important to you? What does your life say is the number one priority on your list? Is it you? Or is it Jesus? For God so loved the world that He gave. He gave His all. He gave His best for you. Out of love, we should commit to Him. Husbands, how much would you like it if your wife treated you just like she treats every other man? Wouldn't be a strong marriage, would it? Wouldn't be very strong in that relationship, would it? Wives, How would you like it if your husband treated you like he does every other woman? There'd be some difficulties there in that relationship, wouldn't there? The church is the bride of Christ. As part of that that church, we should be committed to Jesus Christ. First. First, how can we do that? How can we show our commitment? I'd say by being involved, by living our life each day to show others Jesus Christ, to help others know how they too can have this peace that passes all understanding. How they can know that they have forgiveness of their sins and eternity in heaven. To live our lives to do what God has called the church to do. To be the light in this dark world. Showing others the goodness of God. And and it's not just something that takes place one day and then we're done. It's not just one day a week and then it's done. But he he wants us to continue in that commitment. Don't be like the husband that that told his wife, "I, I told you I loved you when we got married and if anything ever changes I'll let you know. No, don't be like that. No, regularly you should tell your wife you love her, right? Regularly you should spend time with one another. Regularly we should spend time with God. Regularly we should spend time with our church family because that's what Jesus loves, right? And we should love what he loves. Regularly we should give ourselves for what Jesus gave himself for. Regularly we should do those things that would please Jesus and the things that he left us here to do. Not just once and not just periodically, but he wants us to continue 
So that's the third point here. In uh, the part of communion, it takes, it takes a connection, it takes a commitment, and then he wants us to continue. Continue. Uh, Matthew 26, verse 31, Then saith Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. That sounds like a lot of us, right? I'm a good Christian. I'm going to be faithful. I will never deny the Lord. I will never turn against Him. Jesus said to him, Verily I say unto thee, This night, before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me not once, not twice, three times. Peter, you're so bold to say that you're, that you're going to stand for me. But you're going to deny me three times before this night's over with. How many times do we, make, we, we say things and we, we, we make promises to God and all of that. But before we, get, before we get out of the parking lot good, we've already gone back on some of them. <laughs> right? I mean, it's, it's like, the, it's like we, we walk out to the car with our Sunday smiles on. We get in, close the door and... Rah! Right? Hey, we can be honest here. We're, we're, just, we're, we're, we're all human beings, right? We know what it's like. We're going home. Somebody cuts us off. Right? Something's not right with the dinner. Uh, they, they, over, they overcooked your steak. They, they undercooked your fries. What, they, gave you cold, uh, they gave you cold green beans. But... Oh. And we begin to act so ugly. How about we continue to show the love of Christ? How about we continue in that commitment? Because see, part of, part of that commitment to Christ is letting others see how wonderful He is. And you are the only Bible many people will ever read. You're the only way people know about Jesus Christ. The church, we are the only way that lost people will know about Jesus. Because again, if we don't tell them, we know the world is not going to tell them. And if the world does tell them about Jesus and about salvation and Christianity, it's not going to be the Bible way. See, what the world does is the world says, pray to Mary. The world says, pray to, uh, pray to these saints. The world says, do all of these, do all these good deeds and, and God will let you in. And that's, that's when the world says that there is a God. Then many times the world says, there's not a God. Or the world says, they're all the same gods. But there's one God. And there's one way to God, and that's through Jesus Christ. It's not through Mary, it's not through the church, it's, not, it's only through Jesus Christ. Through His goodness, His grace, His love that is supposed to be seen through me and you. So He wants us to continue, not just to, not just to make bold promises. It's good to make commitments, it's good to make promises to God, but keep those promises. We should keep them. Uh, Peter, Peter said unto him, though I should die with thee. Yet will I not deny thee. Likewise said all the disciples. They all made this same promise. 
In just a, just a little while, they went out to the Garden of Gethsemane, and, and Jesus took Peter, James, and John, went a little further with them, and, and was praying, and they, and they fell asleep, and, they, and he prayed through, uh, prayed through the night a little while, and, and then came Judas with the, the soldiers and all that to arrest Jesus, and, and when, when, uh, when Peter saw it, he pulled out a sword and cut off the, uh, the ear of the servant of the high priest, and, and Jesus rebuked him, and... and Whenever, whenever they arrested Jesus and took him away, th- most of the disciples ran, just like Jesus said they would. How many times do we tuck tail and run whenever the world begins to beat its chest and to say, God's not real? Science disproves creation. The Bible's a book, of, a book written by man. It's full of contradictions. Oh, you use these big words and smart words, and I don't know enough big words and smart words, so I'm intimidated, and I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. We run scared, don't we? I don't care what the smartest scientist with all the degrees has to say. God's Word says, in the beginning, God. And God is right. And He's always right, and He always will be right. And, and, and in eternity, it'll be, they'll know once and for all that God's right. But here's the thing, they know that God is right. The Bible says it's written in their hearts. They know they've rejected Him. But how terrible is it that when we don't continue to walk closely with God in the relationship that He has provided through His death, when we don't take a stand for Him who took a stand to the death for us, how many times do we, do we uh, give in to sin or give in to temptation or give in to peer pressure and we don't continue to serve as God would want us to in a way that's pleasing to, unto God? See, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 7 verse 8, Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. It's easy to start out right and it's wonderful and it's good to start out right. But it's better how you finish. See, Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. I, I, want, to, I want to live my life and, and on my deathbed, if God, if God lets me live to the, live to, uh, to the, if He lets me live till the day I die, uh, if, if Jesus doesn't come back before I die, I want, to, I want to be able to say, I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I've been faithful. I want you to be able to say, I've been faithful. So he encourages us to continue, to just keep on, keeping on, and, and, and hey, let's keep our commitments to God. Let's, let's not just say, I'll never deny you, but let's be strengthened in our, in our commitments. Let's be strengthened in our relationship. How can we do that? We need to continue in the Word of God. The Bible says, wherewithal shall the young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. You want to live life that's pleasing to God? Don't just read this book, obey it. Do what it says. It's not, a, it's not a magic wand that God is you know, just going to wave over you and poof, you read your Bible today. Everything you do today is going to be righteous and good. No, that's not the way it works. We have to read it. And when, when the, when the uh, opportunity comes for us to make a decision, we need to choose to do right. We need to choose to have a right attitude. We need to choose to have a right response. We need to choose to honor the Lord. We need to choose uh, to obey the Word of God. Hey, but, it's, but you're not going to choose it unless you know what the Word of God says. So daily choose to be in the Word of God, to read the Word of God. Hey, read it, study it, memorize it, meditate on it daily. Not just once a week, not just a couple of times here and there, but daily you should read the Word of God. 
Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. We should continue in the word of God. We should continue in prayer. The Bible says praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Hey, uh, we, need to, we need to spend time in prayer, bringing our petitions to God, praying and asking Him to work in us and work through us and be glorified in our life. We need to ask Him for wisdom. We need to ask Him for His provision. We need to praise Him for the things that He's done. We need to spend time with Him. We need to pray for other people. We need to intercede. We need to do spiritual warfare on our knees uh, before a just and holy God who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. We need to pray. I'll tell you, some of the greatest things uh, can be, uh, some of the greatest things that, that have ever been done have only been accomplished because God's people prayed. We need to continue in the Word of God. We need to continue in prayer. We need to continue in, in uh, evangelizing, going out and, and sharing Jesus Christ with the world around us. He said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It's not just lifestyle evangelism, going and, going and living a good life in front of them and hoping that one day they'll say, what's different about you? That's, hey, that is part of it. Living the life, of, of living that resurrected life, living the life of a Christian, doing the good things and reflecting Jesus Christ, that is part of it. But the other part is, is going and talking to them about Jesus. Going to them and saying, hey, I, I know, I've, I've noticed you've been over, overcome with these burdens and, and, all, and let me tell you about somebody that wants to lift your burdens and give you peace. If you died today, do you know that you'd go to heaven and you have that opportunity to share with them Jesus? Hey, don't forget to be evangelizing, going and telling other people about Jesus Christ. Continue in the Word of God. Continue in prayer. Continue in evangelizing. Continue in mentoring and coaching. You say, me? Yes, you. You are called to be a discipler. You are called to, to teach people about Jesus Christ. He said, hey, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Hey, we're to go and to teach them. In 2 Timothy, thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. What's he saying? He's saying, look, you need to be faithful to to be a discipler, and, and you'll be teaching, you'll be imparting that, uh, those, those lessons, those principles, the things that you've learned. He said, but be faithful to live it as well, because they'll be watching. Don't get entangled with the affairs of this life. As you war this warfare, and, continue, and then finally continue in the local church. Continue in the local church, Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Maybe it's been your manner at times in your life to, to not be faithful to the house of God. To not be faithful to the assembling of ourselves together. But the local church is God's means. It's, it's the means that Jesus chose to take the gospel to the world. The local church. Some people say, well, uh, the, you know, church membership is not, is not seen in the Bible. I beg your pardon because the Bible does say we are members one of another. We are members. There is membership. And God calls us to be a part of His church. 
It's seen visibly through the local assembly. And, and so God wants you to be a member of the local church. And, and as, we're, as we're a member, it, this is not a membership like a country club. It's not a membership like, like uh, you know, uh, some of these, uh, some of these uh, different uh, civic organizations or whatever that, that you, know, you get this membership and you have all these benefits. It's what's in it for you. No, this is a membership that, that you give yourself to. That you, that you give your time, you give your energies, you give, uh, you give to it to be a part and to, to, to see the purpose of the church fulfilled. That's what God has called us to. You see it in the Bible uh, all throughout Scripture. And, and God says, don't forsake that. Don't forsake that. Uh, some people say, well, I can worship God at home. Well, you, you can and should worship God at home. But when the church is gathering together for worship, you should be there. Because otherwise you are forsaking that assembling of yourselves together. And, and, he's, and so, uh, so we, need to, we need to gather together. And you might say, you might say well, well I'm, I'm doing okay in my Christian life. I can miss it this time. But hey, it's not just for you. There's somebody else that needs you to be there. Because there's something you're going to say that's going to help them and strengthen them. And many times, whether you realize it or not, you do need it. There's something somebody else is going to say or do to encourage and help you. And here's the thing. Anytime and every time the Word of God is opened, you will receive some instruction and benefit from it. So, hey, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We're not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to just get a bunch of numbers here just so we can say, look how big Crosspoint is now. Woo! No. See, our purpose is to, is to reach people with the gospel. And to teach them, to see them strengthened and matured in their faith. So that they get involved in the work, reaching other people with the gospel. Strengthening other people in their faith. Worshiping God together as a church family. Growing together to serve others as we love God. As we continue in this, this is the commitment that God has made, for, made to us. And it's the commitment He wants us to make to Him. And it starts with that relationship with Him. I'm so grateful that He gave us that relationship through salvation. Look here, takeaway number three. A commitment is not a one-time thing. It must be renewed and reinforced regularly. Take time with Jesus today. Jesus took time with His disciples. Jesus took time with others. And He wants to take time with you. He wants time with you. I'm grateful for this privilege that we have to spend time with Him. And it's, and it's available because of the salvation that He gave us. The Bible tells us that, that when, he, when He gave Himself as a sacrifice for our sins there on the cross, the veil in the temple was rent from top to bottom. That, that veil that separated man from God. That veil that, that kept man out of the holy of holies. It was rent from top to bottom. God gave access to us. God gave us access to himself. And he says, come to me. He invites us to come. He invites us to spend time with him. And as we, as we remember the price that he paid, this, this ordinance that he established that day, as he broke the bread, as he, as he uh, passed the cup around. We remember 
what he did to make this relationship possible. And we're grateful for it. Jesus, the Bible tells us that he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. He took the cup and, 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 he, and he blessed it. And, and he, he, said, he said, this is the New Testament in my blood. He said, drink it in remembrance of me. In Corinthians, it tells us that, that as, we, uh, as often as we drink this, uh, drink this cup, as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we do show the Lord's death until he come. But he warns us not to, not to approach the table uh, uh, unworthily. Now, we know that being human beings, we're not worthy to approach the table. But Jesus Christ has made us worthy. Jesus has, has made us acceptable to God. If you've been saved, if you've, been saved, if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then Jesus has made you worthy to approach. Now, there may be some things in your life that are, that are not right with God. There may be some things that you've, that you've allowed, some things that you've entertained, some sin that you've, uh, that you've uh, been involved in in your life. Let me encourage you, don't approach the table with that sin in your life. Be quick to confess it and forsake it. Let, the Bible says if we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm glad we can confess it. But don't say, Lord, I'm sorry for this sin that I did because I want to be able to partake of communion today and be right with you, but I'm going to go back to it as soon as this is over with. Don't, do, don't have that heart. Hey, forsake it. Forsake that sin. And the Bible says you'll have mercy. As we, as we take some time to partake of these elements. I want, us to, I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes. Let's just take a moment to thank the Lord for, for what He has done, the price that He paid for our sin, the communion that He has made possible. Well, let's thank Him for connecting with us, for His desire to have a relationship with us, for His commitment to us. And let's ask Him for His help as we desire and endeavor to continue walking closely with Him. Lord Jesus, we thank You for all that You've done. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the blood that you shed. And we ask you, Lord, that you would that you'd help us uh, this morning to, to search our hearts and help us to, to see those things in our life that are not pleasing to you and help us, Lord, to be right with you. Help us to, help us to confess our sin. Help us to, uh, help us to uh, confess our, our complacency. Help us, Lord, to admit to you uh, our, our carnality and our desires for the things of the world. Lord, I pray that we would yield to you and draw close to you and that our hearts will be changed. Lord, I pray that if there's any here today that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, I pray that today will be the day of their salvation as they realize how good you are. I pray, Lord, that you would do a work in our hearts and help us, Lord, to help us to show our gratitude for you and for all that you've done by, uh, by committing ourselves to you and to this relationship with you just as you have committed yourself to a relationship with us. And for all that you do, we'll thank you and praise you. Lord, in just a moment, we're going to partake of, of these, these elements as we remember the price that you paid for us on the cross. And when we do, we just want to say thank you for all that you've done for us in Jesus' name.